Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Benitez, and I'm here back again with my two special guests, two of my friends. I got Ethan Wise. What is up, everybody? Mr. Wiseman, and I got Mr. <laughs> McIntyre, Declan McIntyre. What's poppin', y'all? <laughs> 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 All right, so today we're continuing with the series that we started. If you haven't checked out the previous episode, I want to strongly encourage you. Go check it out. Why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept. We laid a pretty good foundation of what is religion. And I'm just going to reiterate a little bit of it right now. So why do you need to know what is religion? If you're a Christian, because the majority of people are listening to me are Christians. And if you're not, stay tuned and just just uh, tune in. You'll really like what you're about to hear. What, why do you need to know what is religion? Because you need to know the difference between religion and Christianity. When you go to witness to people, you have to understand that sinners are people who, who haven't received the love of God, who, have, who are not saved. They categorize Christianity and Jesus in the same exact group with Mormons, with Muslims, with uh, Catholics, with every other religion. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ didn't come to bring a, a religion. He actually came to destroy religion, to bring a revolution of a true relationship with God. So you need to understand as a Christian. What is the difference between Christianity and religion? This is basic. You need to know this because when you witness to people, when you're talking to that co-worker, when you're talking to your family member, when you're witnessing to them, I can guarantee you they're going to be asking you, well, what's the difference? What's the different role? I've tried it. I've been to Catholic youth camp. I've been to confirmation. I've done catechism. So you need to know the difference between Christianity and religion. And second of all, this is probably my favorite um, even of, of that first objective, this is going to serve as like a, a temperature check, not of condemnation, but rather of evaluation. You need to know that, hey, if, you, if you've been saved and you're frustrated, maybe you've been uh, saved for 10 years and you're just tired, you're exhausted, you don't see the blessing that you hear uh, the man of God preach about, you, you, you haven't walked into the fullness of your inheritance, maybe you're just tired, you're exhausted, and you just feel like giving up. You, you're just like, you know what, I've tried it. I've tried sowing, I don't see anything. I've tried serving God, but why do I still feel guilt-ridden? Why do I still feel afraid of God? Why, am, why do I feel guilty? Why do I feel condemned? Why do I feel, this is a big one, this is for someone out there, why don't I feel like I'm good enough? My friend, I'm here to tell you that, that God sent His Son into the world. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave His one and only begotten Son for you to be good enough in the Spirit, not after the flesh. They who worship God must worship Him in the Spirit. God sent His Son, and when He sees you, He sees Jesus Christ. You are good enough. You are more than good enough. The Bible says that you are accepted in the Beloved. So when you're stuck in religion, when you're stuck in works, it, it breeds a life of frustration. It breeds a life of insecurity. It breeds a life of, of exhaustion. Because it, it, you, you have to like work yourself up to get blessed. You have to do this or God's not going to bless you. I have to attend every single church service or I'm not going to be favored by God. All these old religious mindsets. And, and this is honestly a strong delusion, a, a weapon of the enemy. If he cannot stop you from serving God, he'll get you trapped in religion. And far too many times when we, when we talk about religion, when we talk about you being steeped in the law, people think because you're not offering goat sacrifices that you're not under the law. People think because you're not wearing a uniform, you're not under the law. People think, oh, I wear makeup to the woman. I wear makeup so I'm not under the law. I, I wear I wear gold. I'm left-handed, so I'm not under the law. But but you're still stuck in this this merry-go-round. I need to do this or I won't get blessed. I need to do this or God's gonna curse me. I need to do this in order for me to receive it. And today we're going to really focus in on in the gospel according to Saint Luke. We're gonna be talking about the parable of the particle son or the parable of the particle sons, like Ethan says it. And man, I was talking to, to, to Mr. Wise, and he, and he was explaining to me, and we're going to read it right now, and he, he was explaining to me how in, in this parable, because what is the opposite of religion? What is the opposite of works? It's grace. 
It's resting in his grace. It's faith in his grace. It's, it's resting and trusting in the finished work of his grace, of the cross. So when you don't rest in his grace, you are exhausted, you are burnt out, you are hard of heart, your, your ears, you have ears but cannot hear, you have eyes but cannot see. So when and, and instead of resting and having a life full of abundance and and complete receiving the complete inheritance, you're stuck in this circle. And man, Ethan, like he he began to really get into the parable um, of what we're going to be talking about the parable the parable of the prodigal son. And he and it literally explains, man, it explains the difference between grace versus religion or works. Grace versus law. Grace versus you trying to do something to please God, to get favored by God, to get the anointing. I need to do this to get anointed. I need to do this to get blessed. I need to, I need to do, 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 do. But rather, and we're going to get into it, when you rest in His grace, that is the life. The Bible says, now therefore there remains a rest to the people of God. In the book of Hebrews, there remains a rest for you. There is, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. That that was a type and shadow for the rest that has been given to us right now. And when you rest in his goodness, when you rest in the grace of God, that prosperity that you're trying to work your, your tail off to get comes with ease. So let's get into it. Let's get into uh, the parable of the prodigal sons. McIntyre, take it away. I don't know why I'm calling you from your last name, bro. I feel like I'm in the military or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I did get like a, for those who don't know, I got like a, okay. I got like a military haircut. So yeah. I'm going to call people from there. I said, Mr. Wise and McIntyre. Yeah, yes, sir. I'll read it right away. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Take it <laughs> away. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger." I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still, he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put on and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now... His older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he was received him, because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and did not, and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat wow. that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's good. Ethan, What? Because what, uh, I know you, you were... 
you were unveiling some some things pertaining to grace versus yeah. law or, or religion so um yeah honestly this there's just so much in this parable like first i think starting off what we need to realize is who both of the sons are okay and realize that both of them are just as lost as like the other there's one that's not you know closer to salvation um even the one like there's the one that went completely disobeyed uh like took everything his father had or like his inheritance took everything and lost it all um when i was like playing around with harlots and gambling and then you have the other son who he says i've never uh transgressed i've never like you know i've never messed up i've been here this whole time um yet you haven't even gave me a young goat that i would be happy with my friends or marry with my friends um but what people miss is like these two sons were both equally in need of grace. And one represents the Gentiles, which was the law, like the younger son. And then the older son was representing the Jews, those who were under the law, uh, seeking to be made right uh, in right standing with God by the works of the law, which was impossible. Wow. Um, and then you see all throughout the Gospels that people were like kind of ticked off at Jesus because <laughs> like he was bringing grace to people and they're like kind of offended like listen i'm doing this all of these works yet you're giving this like eternal life to other people um when when declan was reading i started to think about a, a parable in luke 7 uh, not a parable but a, like what happened jesus was in the house of a pharisee named simon and then this woman came uh, brought an alabaster box of fra fragrant oil man i cannot talk um but <laughs> and it says I know, yeah, God. <laughs> and it says that she bro broke the box put the fragrance on jesus's feet and anointed his feet which if you study the culture of that time that was actually simon's job the pharisee that was the pharisee's job yet the pharisee invited jesus into his house yet did not kiss his head nor wash his feet which was just a big sign of disrespect which was, he was like purposely showing jesus and then jesus rebukes him and he goes he um he says simon there's a certain creditor who had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 when they had nothing with which to repay, meaning they didn't have the ability to repay it, he forgave both of them. Now he says, tell me, therefore, which of them shall love me more? Then Simon, the Pharisee, he said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He says, you have rightly judged. And then Jesus turns to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So what is, he, what is he saying right there? Like that is an utmost rebuke in the presence of Simon to say, you see her, she's forgiven. And then like, to, like he says, I say to you, she's forgiven. But he never said to Simon that you're forgiven, right? right. He's, he's always, it seems like Jesus is always rebuking Pharisees. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so like, what is a Pharisee? Because we, we, we read the scriptures in church and we say, okay, what is, we, we look at, oh, I'm not like, the, I'm not like the Pharisees. But we think because we're not wearing the Jewish clothing attire and because we're not yeah. called a rabbi, that there is no more Pharisees. But a Pharisee is simply someone that, we, we, we read it all throughout the scriptures right now. You looked at one older brother, like he was saying, that because he was trusting in his works, and because his younger brother, who knew he was a sinner out of humility, says, I'm not worthy. He received the full, the full inheritance with, by, by grace. So all throughout the scriptures, Jesus is, is, is called the friend of sinners. But you always, always, always see him rebuking the, the Bible says the teachers of the law. 
someone who is teaching the Old Testament law. He rebukes the teachers of the law. He rebukes the Pharisees, calls them hypocrites. But you always, always, always see him turn his heart to the sinner, to the prostitute, because out of humility, they recognize that in, them, in their own flesh, no matter what they do, no matter what works they produce, they're not worthy. And by, by that humility, they receive grace. So let's let's talk about grace a little bit because we, we're talking about what is religion. So and, and I said in the beginning, what is the opposite of religion? When you think about religion, you want you want think you think about works. You think about someone who was under the law, under rules, uh, under continuous exhaustion of works. But what what is grace? Because we hear it a lot and and we take it for granted. But let's just break down a simple definition. What and there's the Bible says it is there is the mo the the uh manifold grace there is there is many facets to it but we're going to try to break it down to the most simplest way because when you talk about religion you have to understand what is the opposite when we're talking about resting we're talking about trust trusting not in not in our goodness not in what how much we fast how much we pray how much word we know how much time we spend in our daily devotionals we don't trust in that but we rest and we trust in his grace so what is grace? Declan has, uh, you know, for every time you read, you have like the calmest voice. I'm just like, just just read the entire Bible right now. <laughs> wow. What is grace? Tell, tell us what is grace. So a simple definition for grace is. See, there you go. So it's such a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like is unmerited favor or unearned. Uh, Undeserved. undeserved no works yeah no works so i'm gonna we're gonna turn to romans chapter 4 section title is abraham justified by faith so it says what shall we say that abraham our father has found according to the flesh for if abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before god for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Wow. That, that is good. One other, um, something I was just thinking about is you see a lot of uh, people that are in works or in law, in religion, that don't realize it because they're kind of like half in half religion, half grace. Mm. They think that you're saved by grace, but you maintain your salvation by works. Well, wow. Paul wrote a whole book about that called Galatians, where if you, how do you start in the spirit, yet you finish in the flesh in your works? You start by the grace of God, but you end up in the flesh. You know, you cannot be half and half. It's either it's a hundred percent grace, not even a hundred percent law or a hundred percent works. Because, like, like I said earlier, the last episode, your works are a debt, which is what Declan read. Your works actually become a debt to God, right? There's a scripture, bro. Here, write this down. Romans eleven verse six. This is what you're talking about. You're. It, it says this, and if by grace. That then it cannot be based on works. Mm. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Mm. In other words, it's either grace or it's either works. If it by and that was says King James says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Mm. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So it's either work or grace. It it can be a mixture. And yeah, you're right. Galatians literally, Paul literally says. Like, I think this was like the strongest language that I read. Have who has bewitched you? Oh, yeah. And then you have to recognize that he begins Galatians. We're going to do a whole study on Galatians. Stick around. Stay tuned, I should say. <laughs> Not today. But he literally says, who has bewitched you? And he says, if anyone preaches any other gospel, and he Let says, this gospel of grace, the gospel of grace, if anyone preaches anything other than this gospel of grace, let him be accursed. Mm. And, he said, and, and again, I say it, let him be accursed. There's a few questions that you can ask yourself. If you haven't, if the gospel isn't, doesn't come by behaving, then how is it maintained by behaving? It's maintained and received only by believing, right? So that's the first question. How, if you didn't earn it by works, how can you unearn it by works? That doesn't make any sense. You know, if I was to buy it, like, 
a kid an X or if a father bought a kid an Xbox and the kid came home with a report card that was an F, the father doesn't just throw the Xbox out the window, That's you know? Good. It's like no. And it's just ooh, here's a question. Does does judgment triumph over mercy? Or does mercy triumph over judgment? It's easy for people to say, yeah, well, grace is not a license to sin, which you, there is an, there's an important part like of living, like getting sin out of your life. But does grace cover sin? No, but love does. Love covers a multitude of sin. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. So you, you have to recognize this, just like it, just like we just read the parable of the prodigal son, the older son who, who was steeped in, I, I, I did this, I did this, I did this. He, that dude was very angry. <laughs> yeah. Because the other, his younger son, who didn't do anything uh, particularly holy, received the ring, the coat, the fatting calf, everything that everything that, that the older son, out of his own works of righteousness, out of his own works of law, didn't receive it. But the younger son received it by grace. And what happened? In fact, Galatians says that the one who was born of the spirit and the one who was born of the flesh, they are continuously at odds. He who, he who trusts in his works will always persecute he who rests in the grace of God. It's a fact we see it in that parable that we opened up with the older son was so angry at the goodness and check this out pharisees will always be angry i think walmack said this quote so if you have any issues with him just go talk to him <laughs> he said pharisees this is how you know you're a pharisee pharisees hate even the word grace yeah. think about that Pharisees hate even the word grace. But when you read the scriptures, Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. And he giveth grace to the humble. Grace, actually, I did a study, is mentioned like 1,500 times in the New Testament. So it, you, have to, you have to ask these type of questions. Because if you're, if you're trusting in your own goodness, if you're trusting in your, in your own works, you're going to be exhausted. And you, and you don't want to be like the older brother was mad at the goodness on the at the mercy and the grace of God along with that back to Romans 4 where it says Abraham was justified or made right with God by faith and not of works verse 5 it says but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly mm -hmm. his faith is accounted for righteousness just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works Wow so and then go to chapter 5 it says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god so that grace mixed with faith brings us to peace with god if That's you don't good. if you do not have peace with god then you're trusting in your you're own trusting work, yeah. in your own works verse 2 through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of god and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given, who was given to us. For what, and then this, this is grace. Verse 6. This is great. This is the grace of God. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one, will one die, unmerited. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Grace is accepting what God has already done for you. If you believe that you can be saved today, you have to believe in the grace of God. Because what Jesus did on the cross means nothing. If you don't believe that Jesus paid for sin or paid for sin in his body, the past, present, and future sin. Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago. So if you don't believe he can pay for future sin, then you can't be saved. No. So verse 8, but God demonstrates his love towards us. His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than mm. having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, 
Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now jump to verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one's man, one man's righteous act, the free gift, grace, came to all salvation came to all men resulting in justification of life so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through jesus christ our lord that's good that's good i mean and man that's a really good scripture grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life so and 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 and, th and that's, yeah, that's a whole different subject. <laughs> but I also want to emphasize this point because a lot of people say, yeah, we're, I, I, I'm saved by grace, but then I have to get to work. My friend, yes, there are, I said this in the previous episode, there is such a thing as works of faith, labor of love, Paul the Apostle called it. But if you are trusting, because this is a trap of the devil. This is literally a deception, a weapon that the enemy uses to keep you in guilt. Religion, religious systems use this to control humanity out of fear, out of condemnation. That yes, you're saved by grace, but after, if you if you mess up, oh, you're not worthy. You, you can't be used. You're not blessed anymore. If you don't give, you're not blessed. How is that even possible? The Bible says he has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. For you are not under the law, but under grace. In fact, what do we call this? We, we call this the church age, which is what? The dispensation of grace. So you are under grace. So when you try to be saved by grace and then rely on your own works afterwards, that is what Paul said, who has bewitched you. If you started out, in the spirit of grace but now do you are you made perfect by the flesh do you are you made perfect by fasting twice a day are you made perfect by tithing to the penny are you made perfect by by reading your bible an hour and 22 minutes with 36 seconds a day <laughs> are you made perfect by the flesh but the bible says in Col in colossians as you have received jesus so walk ye in him the same way that you received him by grace you should live your life like that. So let's go to Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn to you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations of the world shall be blessed. That's good. Man, one of the things, uh, we were talking about how people get saved, and then they get straight into works, you know, yeah. right after they get saved, because they try to maintain salvation uh, wow. through works. Well, in... <laughs> when... Uh, Sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, one of the things that the father gave the the prodigal son, the one that uh, left the ha like left the home, was a pair of sandals. And in that culture, w like the only thing that distinguished a son from the servants in the house were sandals. So the fact that when the son came home, he gave them him what a robe. He gave him a ring. And then he gave him sandals. And what the father was showing that son is you're not coming back here to be my servant or to be my slave. It's like you are you are my son. And that's like that's the truth of grace, you know, and, and it's it's hard to understand grace when you don't understand the character of God. Excellent. Romans two. Um, he was like Paul was like Romans one was a like condemning 
all Gentiles, making sure that they knew that they had messed up, that they were in need of the grace of God. Romans 2 was Paul condemning the Jews because the Jews thought because they had the law that they were better than the Gentiles. But all of Romans 2 was Paul condemning the, the Jews. And then what he's saying, and he says, do you really despise the riches of his goodness, the riches of his grace? So if you don't understand how far God's grace really goes, if it's not like, if it doesn't rub you the wrong, like, I don't want to say the wrong way, but if it, it's like, if it doesn't seem too good to be true, then it's probably not grace. And if you, you see this in the parable, like when he came back to his father, it says he, the son arose, came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck. So I want you to think about this real quick. It says that he was a great way off still. So the father had to have been looking for him in order for him to, to see him from a far way off. So God is like all sinners. God is looking for them, waiting for them, to, like waiting for them to to like what repent change their mind come back and then he he receives them and he has he has compassion on him it says he ran fell on his neck and kissed him it's like understanding the character of god looking at god not as a judge but as a loving father will determine the rest of your life in the course of your life and what you can actually do you work through rest you don't rest from work you work through like in the midst of rest right in the parable of of the talents you see you have a guy with 10 talents who made 10 more. You have somebody with five that made another five. But there's the man with one. And the reason he had one and couldn't make another one, he says, when the guy came to collect it from him, he says, I knew you to be a hard man. What is that saying? He knew he was afraid of the master. And that's where a lot of people are afraid of God because they haven't had an encounter with the love of God and they don't understand the love of God. And, and what that actually does, people think that fear will motivate people. But what that actually does, fear doesn't motivate them. It actually cripples them. It, it'll cripple you. Like if you have this condemnation that you're not winning enough souls, you're not giving enough money, you're not spending enough time with the Lord, you're not, you know, doing this, this, or this, you're, you're bringing yourself into condemnation, which produces more, like, more condemnation, right? And then you might start, like, works, but you'll never get far. You'll never have any fruit or, per, like, anything produced from it, you know? All your, like... It's a lot of uh, it's very easy to ca get caught up in a trap of trying to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, it's not your job to produce fruit. It's your job to abide in the Lord. And it's the Lord's job through your abiding in him, staying rooted and, and grounded in him. Colossians 2, 6. And then he will abide or he will produce the fruit through your abiding in him. You know, our job is to rest in him. And, and honestly, everything is, it's, it's smooth and it's easy. Like there's like the Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew 11 or 20, was it 28? He says, come to me, you who are weary, heavy laden. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews, the religious people. He says, you, if you read it in multiple translations in the amplified classic, it says, you who have been burned out by these religious practices, Come unto me. My yoke is easy. He says, my burden is light. The life that God has for you is meant to be easy. It's meant to be smooth. You're not, you're not going to get burnt out if you're walking in love and if you're walking in grace. If you're walking through the, with the power of God rather than trying to do things in your own flesh. But by trying to earn things, trying to you know get God's approval for works, you're actually separating yourself from the love of God. If you, The Bible says a little bit of leaven will ruin the whole lump. A little bit of works will cut you off completely from grace there's no grace and works if you if you try to earn anything whether it be prosperity or healing or salvation by works you will cut yourself off entirely from it all because it was it's never came by works it's only been by grace 
And it's like if somebody bought me an Xbox, say, or a PlayStation, because like, like that's what so many people want. If they bought me that and then I tried to give them money for it. It would like when they were trying to use like to bless me. It's like on Christmas. If my dad bought me an Xbox and I was like, oh, well, let me pay for it. And it's and he's like, it would almost be offensive. It and it's into God. The most offensive thing you can do is tell him that what, what Jesus did for me was not enough. I don't believe it's enough for me. I'm going to try to do it my own way. And if you read in John chapter 10, he condemns people that do that. He says, anyone who tries to climb in a sheepfold, John 10, 1, their own way, any other way. He says, I'm the door to give context. Jesus is the door into the sheepfold, which is the kingdom of God. You get into the kingdom through christ right but anyone who tries to climb in some other way the same is a thief and a robber well who's the thief the devil anyone who tries to climb into the kingdom of god their own way is the same as the devil where, do, where else can this connect to what did the devil say that got him kicked out of heaven he said i shall make myself like the most high the devil was stuck in religion trying to get to a place right and that's exactly what he convinced eve of in the garden of eden he says god knows if you do this then this will happen he says if you eat of the fruit you'll become like him what and he was like trying to convince eve to get into works and that's the whole thing that you see throughout the bible you know it's easy to like to look at the prophets to look at the um just like just the old testament to see like a god of condemnation a god of wrath god is not a god of wrath god is a god of love the israelites turned god into a god of wrath by demanding god to give them a law god's ne intention was never for man to have a law god's intention he had two laws for people he said one rest because you just spent the last 400 years building bricks i want you to take a day off that was the first law god had for them and the second one was remember our free, your freedom in the Passover. God's intention for the Israelites were, were those two laws. Remember the Passover and uh, take a day off, right? But, and then he, and you see that they, they, that wasn't good enough for them because he, he told Moses, tell the people to come up here on the mountain with me. He goes, Moses goes down, talks to the Israelites and they say, no, we want to be able to, we want to earn it. Basically, if you sum it all up, we that like we don't want we see we're we're afraid of God. We want to earn it. So Moses goes up, talks to God, and God gets infuriated. All God wants with you is a relationship. He doesn't want these works. They're dead works to him. The Bible says that they are like filthy rags. What? Like, you don't want to come to Christ on judgment day saying, I've done this. I've done that. I fulfilled everything you had for me. You can fulfill what God had for you and still miss heaven because you're walking in the flesh. You're walking in works and you're missing the grace of God. All right. You don't you do not want to do that. But you want to come to Christ on account of his his um, his righteousness. There's a quote. It says God judged Jesus based off of your works so that he could judge you based off of Christ's work. That's good, man. That's really good. I, I think and that's a, and that's a really good point, because what you just said earlier, too, is that people and people always attribute fallen characteristics of man to God God's love is not like men's mind's love the Bible says God is not a man so when we think that God is, ha has conditional love if I mess up in this point he's going to withdraw his anointing I'm not going to be anointed if I sin mm -hmm. you can, you're still going to be anointed if you sin yeah. so you, th you adding characteristics of fallen man to God is not accurate God is not a man his love is unconditional like it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But what does the verse say after that? Because people will say, oh, it's God that's condemning me. The verse right after it, it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. In 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Wow. Galatians 5, 6, at the end of the verse, it says, 
or the verse says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but this part, but faith which worketh by love. First Corinthians, the whole chapter 13, it talks about love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am, or let me read it in a different version. It's God, God's kind of chari- love. Charity in the version means love, but let me just switch to a different version. Okay. One man of God said it. He said charity is literally, it's not man's type of love. It's literally God's love. Yeah. Like we have, we, through the fall, our our carnal mind has been conditioned to like man's type of love, which is conditional. So the Lord literally gave us First Corinthians chapter thirteen, so that we can see. The Bible says, "Teach the younger women to love their husbands." We need to be taught how to love, and we need we literally need to have our minds renewed to what the God kind of love really is because it's not conditional. Like it says uh, earlier, I read that in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of man and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. If the, if the, if these things don't describe your relationship with God, then you, you need to... You need to evaluate the relationship you have with God. Do you view God as a God of love or a, a, a dictator, a tyrant? Some I like the, this one quote um, my one friend made. Um, he said that how some people see God, God would need like oh, child, child protective child services protection. called on him. Yeah. So chapter or verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not mm-hmm. puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. In Ephesians chapter 3, let me turn there real quick, real quick. Ephesians, you know, we're going to have to do, and I, I, I've been wanting to do this. We're going to have to do a whole, like, uh, almost like scripture by scripture Bible study on Ephesians. Because Ephesians is literally so meaty. And I always tell people, you have to look at the New Testament. Because the law was given to reveal sin. But when you, when you look at Jesus Christ, who rebuked the Pharisees, who called them hypocrites, who called them, uh, uh, who called them snakes, who called them uh, full of dead man's bones, but he sat with the sinner. He sat w- with the tax collector. When you look at Jesus, you see God. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the express image of God. It does not say the law. The Old Testament, Deuteronomy. It doesn't say. It doesn't even say Genesis. It says Jesus Christ. He is the express image of God. So Ephesians three fourteen. I'll start at the, the verse fourteen. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Paul said, it is the love of God that compels me. It is what enabled him after being stoned to death to pop back up and go back into the city and preach Christ unto them. Love of God, the love, the love of God is what the goodness of God, the love of God is what draws men unto repentance. It's what draws men unto him. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God loves us. God loves you. If you feel condemnation, God loves you. He already paid for your sins. God loves you. That's good. Yeah, we're going to, um, and then to wrap this up, I mean, we touched on a lot of different things today. But like I, like I said in the beginning of this, the objective is one. You need to know that Christianity is not just what separates us from the Muslim. It's not a different set of rules. You have to understand this. Religion is God, is man trying to get to God. But Christianity is that God sent his son, that God came down, put on flesh to get to you and to me. It is not a different set of rules. It's God by grace came to you and he wants you to live a life by grace. He wants you to live a restful life. He wants you to stop trusting in, in all your works. Yes, we do works, but we don't do the works to, to get favored. We don't do the works to get blessed. We, we do works of faith because we are already favored. We are already blessed. The Bible says you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. So I want you to understand that because one, you need to know the difference between Christianity and, and every, everything else. Because you'll be asked that. Your coworker who you're praying for to be saved, they have these questions. Who, are, who, who is the world going to turn to if, if us as Christians don't know the difference between Christianity and any other religion? I'll tell you the answer. The answer is the grace of God, that it is not our works. It is not us keeping all the rules. It is not us trying to be perfect and holy. It is that just like Declan read, that God demonstrated his love, that while we were yet sinners, while we were ungodly, he died for you. He died for me. And he wants you to live in the same exact way. It says it in Colossians. The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you need to walk in him. You receive everything by grace. And the second objective is if you feel tired, if you feel exhausted. Jesus literally said that. Come on to me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden by religious works, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. If you've been saved, if you're listening to this, and if this sounds like, you know what? And it takes humility. Because me, uh, Ethan, and Declan, we all had to come to that, to that to that like humble point where, hey, you know what? That sounds like me. What I have been trusting in my fasting to get people saved. I've been trusting in how good I how good I behave to know that I'm loved by God. But God's love is unconditional. Use this. To take your temperature, not to con not to condemn you, but to set you free. Set you free from what? From religion, from works, from bondage, from fear. Fear has torment. From man trying to control you, to condemn you, to intimidate you, to follow the rules. Yes, we follow the rules, but it's not out of fear. It's because we have been born again. It's because we know that we are loved by God, whether, whether we make mistakes, whether, whether, we, whether we sin, whether we, are, are, we think we're good, whatever it is, God loves you and He loves me. So use this to take your temperature, not to condemn you, but to realize, hey, I've been trusting in my works. I've been trusting in how much I fast. I've been trusting in how good I behave. Reject that. Repent is just another word for change your mind. Repent of that and receive the grace. Live by grace. And I, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll come just like, the, like we, we opened this up. The prodigal son who, who didn't count on his works. He had no works to rely on. Received the full inheritance. While the other one who said, I did this, I did this, I did this. Didn't see any fruit. Any last words? Um, I would just say like, 
it's really easy to get for religious, you know, religious minds to get angry about the grace of God, which is what you see with the older son. It says he was angry and he refused to go in for, for when the younger oh, son sure. returned, you know, and it's like, like when you're stuck in religion and you're stuck in like works and you you have your faith in your works, like the, there's, I mean, and I was there, the the grace of God kind of angered me. It's like, <laughs> it does, right? like, it did, yeah. yeah. And I would see these people that were like the sinners, like chief sinners, were not anymore. Um, and I'm like, how in the world, like, they're just they're just resting in grace, you know? They're like, they have no, how do I like? There's no shame to them, no guilt, and no condemnation. And I'm over here like striving, trying, striving mm. in the. Uh, you know, just yeah, and and like, you get got caught up in this cycle, where it's like, why am I like, I have no fire anymore, I have no anything, and it's like, you know, you walk like Revelation one talks about doing all those works, yet you walked away from the love of God, even when you like you break down uh the church of Laodicea in Revelation three where uh uh John writes to them. He says, you are neither hot nor cold. People say, well, you're either like cold and living in sin um, or lukewarm and you're like half in sin, half in like the grace of God. But like, that's actually not what that's talking about. If you look at the geography of Laodicea, you there's up in the north, there's hot springs and down in the south, there's cold water. And what they do, the cold water they would use to drink from in the, in the upper regions, you had hot water, which they would use to bathe. But in the middle, what you have is you have like this lukewarm water that's full of sediment and what that is is a picture of trying to mix your your filthy rags your works with god's like pure water and that's why god says i will like spit you out of my mouth not because you're you're you know living in sin and like with like grace but because you're living in works and grace trying to mix it together but if you would like he would wish you to be hot or cold because if you're cold, then you still you have the ability to receive grace. But if you're stuck in works, you you don't even have the the chance to look away from your own works to to make room for the love of or for the grace of God, like because you're so busy striving and by not getting it by striving, you strive a little harder, then you go a little harder and you get this burnout. Like this older son, he was he was miserable. And he was depressed, which a lot of people are miserable. Like, yeah. and the, the, all they do is critique or condemn. You know, you you never hear like you, you don't hear grace people call uh, people that preach grace. You know, calling specific pre- people out. Why? Because they're filled with the fullness of God, which which is what the love of God. Ephesians one. You are filled with the love, of, the knowledge of the love of God. You are filled with His fullness. You know, you you don't like go critique or crede- condemn. What you do is you just seek to open the eyes so that others can rest in the same thing you're resting in. That's good. I always say this. Pharisees are as mean as snakes. I don't know why. Jesus said the same thing. What did he call, what did Jesus call the the group of Pharisees? A brood of vipers. What is a brood? It's a pack of baby snakes. He was called and who who is the first snake? The devil. He was calling the Pharisees sons of the devil which he said that multiple times that's true you know that's true oh that's good man we could talk about this all like we can we can literally have grace podcast like for life um but yeah pharisees are mean you're right i I don't know what it is but you know what i know what it is it's just like you said they haven't you have you have to experience the love of god you have to experience his goodness his mercy his grace last words mr mcintyre Faith works by love. You have people screaming to their top of their head, faith, faith, faith. You got to have faith, faith this, faith that, until a blood vessel bursts in their head. <laughs> but what is it? what does the Bible say? There are three things that will abide forever. Faith, hope, and love. You'd think some people think that faith is the greatest. No. Love. That's Love true. Is That's the greatest. True. You know, um, Walmack said this, so I'm quoting him, so I, I feel safe to quote him. <laughs> he said, the word of faith movement has it wrong. Uh, 
because they took out faith, isolated faith. Mm. But just like Declan said, they forgot that faith works by love. So when you isolate it, but have no love, mm. you trust in the mechanicalism in the work of it, but see no fruit yeah. because you faith works by love. So, yeah. So that was a quote from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Your faith can only go as far as you believe that God's grace has already gone. So faith is receiving. Your it's your response to God's grace. If you don't, <laughs> yeah, if you don't believe. <laughs> That God's grace has already provided it. The Bible says, who, he, who, he who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also, with Christ, with him, give us all things? Well, we need to realize that with Christ, God gave man all things. That, like, you know, all provision. Ephesians 2, it says that he already predestined our works. And if he predestined our works, he predest predestined the provision for our works. All we have to do is rest in them and walk in them, not in fear, but understanding the love of God. And honestly, any doctrinal issue you have, it's like when you have an encounter with God, prosperity is never a question anymore. Right, Healing true. is never a question. You know, predestination, whether God dis, like desires for some people to go to hell and some to go to heaven, that's out the window because you understand the, the heart of a father. And honestly, like this is one thing that I was like that the Lord really showed me is and we'll, like we'll close with this <laughs> is the, like if I were to say something, say to Declan, who, who like I, like was my roommate, that would be like if I said something to him, but then said the same thing to a stranger. Like the fact that Declan knows me, it will ha cause him to interpret something way different than a stranger would interpret it. So you like there's people that read the Bible with the preconception that God is a God of wrath and that he's mad at them. Then you have people that read the Bible with the preconception that God loves them, that God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. So God is patient. God is kind. God keeps no record of wrongdoing because love keeps no record of wrongdoing. Wow. God's not mad at you. He's waiting for you to come home. And when you realize the love of God, you you the scriptures open like are open to you in a completely different way. And religious people will call that heresy. Well, wow. that's exactly what they said about Jesus. So do what you want, but there is no, there is no Bible without the love of God. You know, you can, you can take the miracles, you can take anything away from God, but if you take love and he's, he's still God, but if you take love away from God, well, then we're all in trouble. Well, first John says God is love. It's not his characteristic. It's who he is. That's who he is. He is love. So if you have an issue with, with love, you know, people... <laughs> Then you have an issue with God. You have an experience. And mm -hmm. that's why Paul prayed that they would know the love of God, which is past understanding, meaning you have to experience it. Declan, uh, hold on, before you said I, I, I wanted to say this. This is, this is so good because you said Ephesians chapter 2. Wow. Did you know that Billy Grahams, when he, when he died, he had um, his favorite scripture was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, talking about it is by grace through faith. Because you were talking about uh, faith and grace. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. That did you know that Billy Graham? That's that's that was his favorite scripture, and people love they like honor Billy Graham. But he was uh, he you would call him now if people would would talk to him, you would call him a grace hyper grace. He to a point where he has it written on his tombstone, bro. He has by grace through faith on his tombstone. Anyone who condemns hyper grace, ask them what true grace is. Take us home, John eight eleven. <laughs> <laughs> A woman before before Jesus died in the flesh. A woman caught in the act of adultery. The Pharisees and people around them were trying to stone the girl. Jesus said, "Who among you is without sin? Throw the first stone." So fast forward to John eight eleven. Jesus asks her, "Hey, who's who? Who here is left?" She said, "No man, Lord." And Jesus said unto her, Neither, or neither, do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Is he giving her an so, Matthew 7, 1. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. 
For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. <laughs> That's in the, it says it in chapter, verse 5, it says okay. a hypocrite. So we're going to end it at that. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> and look, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, yes, this is, the Bible says this is the gospel of the grace. Paul said that I may minister and preach the gospel of the grace of God. Grace is the gospel. You can't separate the gospel without grace. They're actually synonymous. But ultimately, our goal today was and still is, if you're listening, our goal is one, for you to understand that Christianity is not a religion. And two, to, under, to begin to uncover, hey, am I in works? Am I frustrated? Am I in fear? Am I tormented? Am I afraid God's going to curse my finances? Although the Bible says I have been redeemed from all the curse of the law, which Malachi chapter 3 is in the curse of the law. If you're in any of these things, come out from under there, receive the grace of God, live by grace, and I'm telling you, you, you will live a life of rest, of peace, of joy, true joy, not fake joy, true joy, rest, receive the grace of God. The Bible says the same way you receive Jesus, you need to walk the same way. Don't start off in the spirit and in the flesh. Continue this walk by grace, through faith, faith in his grace. So I want to leave you guys with that. Um, and thanks for tuning in because we're going we're gonna to probably continue to, to do some other series on different teachings I like the faith and grace one. I'm sure we're going to be back, so stay tuned. And also, before we go, share this with your with your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, your aunts, your co whatever it is. I always appreciate when someone shares it, tags us, let us know what you got out of it. Share it with your coworkers. Share it with maybe do this. Share it with someone who has been hurt by religion or the church. Let them know that. All, that it is not by works, but it is by grace and the love of God. Share this with someone who has been hurt by religion. And I'm telling you, uh, you'll be doing your labor of love. Any last words? Love you guys. All right. See you guys.